0: Thank you, Roxanne. Good morning to all of you. Thank you for uh, being with us, staying patient with us this morning. Uh, thank you for for uh, just doing us the favor of combining with the first service to do communion. It gets us started a little later uh, And this service. To be honest, your your body doesn't even think it's eleven yet, anyway. So you should be fine. Uh, but it was it was nice to just come together as one church and and, and take uh, the, of the body and, and blood together. So. Uh, We appreciate just your patience with that, and thank you, Roxanne, for reading that. And so uh, I'm just going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer before we jump into this. So, Father, we love you. Uh, We thank you for this this morning. We thank you for a chance to come uh, to the communion table together as a church. Uh, We thank you for the opportunity now just to open your word and understand uh, what you want to say today. And so we ask that you would speak, uh, that you would move, and that you would be exalted. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, something you may not know about me is that I have actually a pretty impressive high school resume. Hashtag not so humble brag, right? But here's why you shouldn't be impressed. My secret was that I went to an incredibly tiny school. Uh, My class basically consisted of me and three farmers. And so it's nothing like Terre Haute, I remember coming to uh, my cousin's graduation, they, their name is the Adams, the, the Adams family, And so they come, we'd come, they went to Terre Haute North to their graduation, there'd be more kids announced by the time they got to Adams than my entire graduating class. And so I don't know how you all sit through three and a half hour graduation ceremonies, ours was about 20 minutes and we were done. Uh, I remember we, we offered, Cloverdale offered physicals for, for the athletes and they did it on one night. And so if you were an athlete at Cloverdale, you played any sport, fall, winter, or spring, you could come on one night in the gym. There'd be doctors there. You could get your IHSA approved physical and be done. We got it done in less than an hour. Um, There's a sign up. If you have a pulse, you can play sports at Cloverdale. And so everybody gets letter jackets, right? Because we, ha- we had to fill the teams. And so one of these, one of these awards, that which aren't that impressive, that I got was my junior year. I got selected for something called the National Honor Society. Huge honor. There's like eight to twelve of us from the class that got it, which means we beat out about three percent of our classmates. And there's a teacher in charge of it. Her name was Miss Phipps. She was an English teacher. I'd had her a couple of times. We had a pretty good relationship up to this moment. But Miss Phipps loved National Honor Society. Was one of those kind of irrational passions about it. I I didn't understand I, I still, though I guess I'm a member, I still don't know what it is. I don't know why she liked it that well or why she was excited about it, but I could tell that she was really into it. And so she was telling us there's this annual ceremony where the juniors who are getting inducted into the National Honor Society need to come, and the seniors welcome them in. And so junior year, I show up at the ceremony, go get inducted, and the whole evening's just a little off to me. Um, we have to light candles, the seniors are reading poems, it just, it just felt weird. Um, but at the end of it, uh, Ms. Phipps gathered all his juniors and said, it said I'm going to tell you something really important, you absolutely need to come back senior year. It's, it's, it's so important to me that you all come back senior year and, and then induct next year's juniors in. So senior year, spring comes. I remember there was one day that we, we were all out at golf practice, and um, it was a Tuesday night, random Tuesday night. Golf practice gets done. Coach leaves. Other players leave. And I think, man, I, I just did not play well last meet. And our big county rival, Greencastle, was coming up. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back out, and I'm just going to practice till dark. And I'm just going to hit a bunch of balls, practice till dark. So do that. Go home, eat, go to bed, think, man, this was a great day. Wake up the next morning, walk into school, and a kid named Ryan Samsel is there waiting for me. He says, where were you last night? I said, what do you mean, where was I? He goes, it, it was a National Honor Society induction last night. Miss Phipps is looking for you. And I'm telling you what, that lady found me. Not only did she chew me out, she never looked at me the same again the rest of my senior year. And I didn't do it on purpose. It j- I just totally spaced it right? It wasn't intentional. I just forgot, but it was still hurtful and damaging to her. Now, we all forget things, don't we? We forget where, where our keys are. We forget where we parked our car. Uh, we forget an appointment, and sometimes forgetting's harmless. Sometimes it's funny. Other times it's not, because sometimes it hurts other people's, and other times it can cause these really self-inflicted wounds. I'm going to be really open and honest with you for a minute this morning, so a little bit, a little bit raw. I had I had what you could describe as a little pity party for myself this week. It was really quite pathetic. You should have seen it. I was sitting on the couch telling Corinne about uh, all the new things that we're trying to formulate around here, trying to implement, and trying to get my hands on, and I'm gonna fill you in on a secret that she knows that some of you may not. I have no idea what I'm doing in this job, okay? And so I was describing to her, meeting after meeting the last couple of weeks, where at the end of the meeting, people would turn to me and say, hey, what do you, so what do you think we should do? And I said to her this line, I just wish there was another person I could turn to and say, hey, what do you think? But so often, I've got to be the one to answer that question. And I said to her, it just feels like there's no one else to turn to sometimes. And so I leave that conversation. I sit down at the kitchen table to do the, my daily Bible reading. And in it, I read Exodus 14, 14, where it says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, you moron. Right? You, you always have someone to turn to. And you know what? That wasn't breaking news. Because that, that wasn't something that I hadn't learned before, I didn't know previously. You know what i did done? I just temporarily forgot it. And so God, in His endless grace to me, reminded me of it. Now think with me what if I had stayed there? What if I'd stayed in that state of spiritual amnesia? If I'd done so, then so much unnecessary stress and worry and ineffectiveness and angst would have followed. Imagine if, if I'd let that nonsense even begin to take root year after year in the future where I'd have been living and working and serving within my own self-sufficiency, how destructive would that have been to my soul? How destructive would that have been to my family? How destructive would that have been to this place? You see, there are few things in life more damaging and destructive than forgetting God and forgetting his truths and work in your life. And I understand that idea sounds radical, right? How could I ever forget God? But the reality is we do all the time. This is when we go about our day with just an utter lack of awareness of him. We give little to no thought to his work or what he's up to. And we have no ongoing dialogue with him. And over time what happens is we begin forgetting things that we already knew. And sometimes we call uh, seasons of life, we call these spiritual droughts, right? We say, I'm just sort of in a rut. And we feel less connected to God than we used to. We give him less time than we used to. We give him less of our thoughts than we used to. Have you ever Have you ever been there? Man, if I really wanted you to be honest with someone, I'd I'd ask, are you there now? You ever experienced a period of time in your life where God just didn't seem as close as he used to? Where your worship just wasn't as vibrant as it had been? Your joy wasn't at the same level? And you'd admit, you know, I just don't think about him or his word as much. And Just overall, you feel less devoted. Well, if you've ever been there or if you're there now, I have some disarming news for you, but I also have some alarming news. The alarming idea is this, that you're not the only one, right? If we're honest, every single follower of Christ has, has experienced these times, these seasons, right? But the alarming news is this, that if, it, if that is not reversed, then it no longer is a rut. It becomes a trend that will carry out the rest of the days of your life. And when that happens, right, then you have less purpose and less identity and a less effective and less fruitful life because you have been designed and created to connect and serve and worship the God who made you. And so if you would admit this morning, right, that that you're just in a dry spell or rut or whatever you would call it, or maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you've never actually entered into a relationship with the God who created you through Jesus Christ, his son. Then know this, you're not alone in that. But please take that seriously. I'm inviting you to to, to feel a level of alarm. Now the good news is that, that your story doesn't have to continue or end that way. First, God and his relentless love and grace He's going to keep pursuing you. And and secondly, there are concrete things that we can put into place in our lives to to help us fight this spiritual amnesia. And if I'm being totally honest this morning, if if you're saying, you know, I'm one of those that's just in a rut, you are our target audience for this series. And so even if you're in a rut or even if you're not, these things will be preventative because we're all capable of forgetting God. I call this temporary spiritual amnesia. And there are a few reasons for this. Number one, we are constantly being taught and discipled by other things. Do you realize how few things in this world will actually point you to Jesus? Right, there are so many things that are going to point you away from him, distract you from him. That's why in Philippians 3, we're told that our citizenship is not here, it's in heaven. And so if you're following Christ this morning, here's what this means. You simply aren't home yet. You're, you're just passing through and john 15 jesus talking about this and he said if the world hates you keep in mind that it hated me first now there's a day coming right when jesus will return and he's going to set up his reign over all that day we will finally be home but for now our call is to be in the world but not of it Which means that as we go through this life, we're going to be constantly bombarded with messages and philosophies and ideologies and logic that have nothing to do with God or stand in direct contrast to his word. And this can lead us to forget. Secondly, we're distracted by the visual. One of the struggles that we have in fostering a really dynamic relationship with God is that he's invisible. Our six-year-old Gemma, I cannot be in a room with Gemma without knowing she's there. She has no personal space boundaries, right, at all. She's always in my face. She's always pulling on my clothes. She's, she's, she repeats questions over and over again to answer. You just literally cannot be around her without knowing she's there. That, that is not our relationship with God, is it? He can be there. In fact, the Bible says he's there all the time, and we can be unaware of him. And it's not that God doesn't give us evidence of himself, have you, have you ever wondered or thought about how a, there are aspects of creation that serve absolutely no physiological or survival purposes? Sure, the sun has to come up in the morning, but why does it have to look so beautiful? Yeah, the sun has to go down for night to come, but why so vividly? What, food is necessary for survival, but why does it have taste? No one needs colors to survive. Right? These are gifts from God. They're means of His grace. They're designed to point us to Him. But over time, what happens is we, we've seen enough of them that we lose sight of them. We lose sight of Him, and brighter, louder, flashier, newer things catch our eyes. Right? So we're constantly being discipled by other things. We, we're distracted by the vigil, and then we're distracted by lesser things that we make to be bigger than they are. We, we, we give things importance that really aren't that important. Jesus is talking about this in, in Matthew 13. He tells this story of, of a sower. It's the it's story of a farmer who sows seeds that falls on different paths. And Jesus says, this is what it's like when people spread the word of God. Is What happens is it falls on four different paths, which are four different hearts, right? This so is the seed that falls on, on just the first path that people trample on. This, he, Jesus says, these are when the truths of God are snatched up by the enemy before they can even begin to take root. This is some seed that's scattered, it falls on rocky path. This is people who hear the truth of the word of God, and at first they, they accept it, they're kind of excited about it, but they, they're absolutely, at no point does it take root, and so it doesn't last. First sign of struggle, they bail. The fourth type of soil, I know I skipped third, we'll get to it. The fourth type of soil is the good soil. It's, it's the people who accept the truth, and it takes root in their hearts. And Jesus said these people produce fruit 10, 50, 100 times what was invested in them. But the third is the one I'm most interested in this country. And this, is the, this is the seed that falls among the weeds. And Jesus, these are the people who accept the truth of God. But what happens is the worries of this life and the deceit of wealth, those are his words, choke it out. Man, do you know how many times that happens in our country? There are so many things that exist to distract us from God, and so we can forget. And we all do. Now, just because it's common doesn't mean we should accept it. Or Just because it's common doesn't mean it's not a threat. We should still fight and speak and work and teach against this. And you realize that, that, that passage that Roxanne read for you in Deuteronomy 8, you realize that's what Moses was doing, right? Deuteronomy is, is, is a neat book. It's a collection of all of Moses' final teachings of right before he was going to die. It's a legacy book. And Moses had been the leader of the Israelites through this whole journey. He'd seen it all, where the Israelites had started as slaves in Egypt, and God sent Moses to demand their release. And through that process, the Lord showed his might through one plague after another, his might over every false Egyptian god they worshipped. Where, where God said, I am greater than them, and I will prove it. And at the end, he, Pharaoh releases them, and they go out to the desert to get away from Egypt. And in that journey, they see more and more wonders of the Lord. And so at the start of Deuteronomy 8, and verse 2, right before Roxanne started reading, Moses begins his speech with this idea, remember the Lord. This group of people have seen amazing miracles far beyond what you and I had ever even witnessed or even dreamed up. And his message to them is don't forget him. Don't forget how he led you. Don't forget how he humbled you. Don't forget how he provided for you. Don't forget how he cared for you. Do not forget that. Do not forget him. And here's what Moses knew. Moses knew they were getting, they're on the pressers. They're getting ready to enter into the promised land that God had for them. And in the promised land, they would no longer wander in the desert. In the promised land, right, they would no longer need their meals to literally fall from heaven every single day. In the promised land, they would not need a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to guide them where they went. And so he's warning them again and again, you, when you get there, remember your God. Remember the Lord, the one who led you, the one who provided for you, and the one who has given you this land. Because there, Moses says, there you're going to build homes. And there you're going to have fields and there your possessions are going to get bigger and then your wealth is going to grow and in moses wisdom he realized that might not be good for your soul and so he tells them in in verse 10 remember in that land when you have eaten and you are satisfied praise the lord who gave it to you in verse 11 he says be careful not to forget him Verse 14, he warns them, you're going to have a tendency when, when you settle there and you see your wealth expand, you're going to have a tendency to get prideful. And in verse 17, he said, You might even say to yourself, I did this, I built all this. Because that's our tendency when we forget God, isn't it? We start getting really big in our own eyes, and that's when God gets smaller. And we stop recognizing that every good and perfect gift comes from him. We, we lose sight of the fact that I am what I am because of the grace of God. on I me. Mean, we start believing our own hype. And so we worship less fervently and we have less reverence for him or his commands. Which, of course, always leads to disobedience. Look at verse 11. Or it says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Why, and how would that be? Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. You see, the moment we start getting big, God gets small in our eyes. And that's the moment that my opinion and my wants and my wishes start carrying far too much weight Now, though we never actually say this out loud or to ourselves, we've all had moments in our lives when we read a command in the Bible that did not sit comfortably with us and we've thought to ourselves, well, surely there's some sort of asterisk there where he didn't mean just that. Or that's, he meant that for other people. He he doesn't understand my life scenario. That, That really wasn't meant for me, which is entirely foolish. But you know when it doesn't sound foolish? It doesn't sound foolish to the one who sees themselves as wiser than God. And if your view of God is really small, then he's not someone to fear anymore. And he becomes someone who who you obey when it's convenient, and when it's easy, and when you feel like it. And the pride that wells up in us from our forgetfulness leads us to more and more disobedience and less reverence. And that opens us up ultimately to harm and destruction. Verse 19, end of the chapter, he just ends on this ominous note. He says, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them i testify to you against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the lord destroyed before you so you will be destroyed for not obeying the lord your god so moses is here at the end of his life he's been leading these people and he warns them right he says you're about to have more than you've ever had and the temptation will be in that, will be for you to forget and to get big and to get arrogant. And that will lead to disobedience. And my message to you, people, is please don't. Do not forget the Lord your God. Remember. But if you do, he tells them, you've already had a front row seat to see what happens. Those nations the Lord drove out in front of you, the ones that he destroyed in your presence, his mighty act. that's coming your way if you do this. So what happened? Well, if you know the Old Testament at all, you know they failed this test. Later in the Old Testament, the Israelites had been so unfaithful to God. There was such rampant corruption in their nation, so much idol worship and neglect of God's law and his temple that God raised up the nation of Babylon. And they, Babylon comes and he conquers Israel and he takes them from that land that they're about to inherit in Deuteronomy 8, the land that God gave them and promised me, He pulls them out of that land in, in exile. And in Hosea, God is speaking and he lays out his verdict against the Israelite people. And it's interesting language Hosea 13, verses 4 to 6. God says this But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness and the land of burning heat. And then listen to verse 6. When I fed them, they were satisfied. And when they were satisfied, they became proud. And then they forgot me. See what the Lord's saying there? Moses' exact fears were realized. They did exactly what he had warned them against. And the result of their sin, the result of their pride and forgetfulness was their own destruction. That's why James 4 tells us this, that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Listen, if you want to invite the work of God in your life, you want to invite his favor on you and your family, you want to invite his blessing in your life, then carry yourself before him in humility and reverence and worship. But if you want God to stand against you, to actively oppose you, to fight against you, then posture yourself in prideful arrogance against him and his word. He guarantees us here, he'll do it. Now, these stories are included for us in the Bible to warn us and teach us. And in fact, 1 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us that very thing. He's recapping all the stories of Israel's failure in 1 Corinthians 10. And he says in verse 11, he says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. See, God knows the tendencies of our sinful hearts. He knows how prone that we are to forget. It's just why we have repeated warnings again and again in his word to remember. It's why again and again we're called remember the Lord, remember the Lord, remember the Lord. In the Old Testament, every time you read this, many times when God would speak to someone or move and intervene in their life, the first thing he tells them to do is to build an altar right there. And what happens is every single time they would pass by that spot, their mind would be taken back to that moment that God worked and they would remember when he handed the Israelites his law, he commanded them to observe this series of feasts. And each one of the feasts was designed to bring back to mind something awesome God had done in their past or something awesome he had just provided them with. And so they observed these year after year because the Lord told them to. Psalm 106 is just a full recount. You read the whole psalm, it's just a recount of again and again how foolish the Israelites were every time they forgot the Lord. Which is why the same psalmist in Psalm 77 says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Fast forward to the New Testament when Jesus comes and Jesus completely fulfills the Old Testament law. It's one of the most amazing things Jesus did. Where through his life and his death and resurrection, every single requirement in the Old Testament law was completely fulfilled in Jesus. Which means there's no more need for those feasts or no more need for those religious ceremonies that were in there. But Jesus knew we would still forget. And so what did he do? He he gave us the sacraments. He commanded us to observe baptism and communion. And then he established his church which was not only sent out to tell the world about him, but also to remind his followers of his work and his life. This is Peter near the end of his life, just like Moses was. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes these things. He says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside As our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Peter's saying there, don't be like Moses' Israel. I'm going to use every last breath I have to remind you of the truths of God again and again and again, so that when I'm gone, you don't forget. And then lastly, God gave us his word, which is just chock full from cover to cover of reminders of who he is and what he calls us to with which one I would say it's pretty clear. It's, in fact, it's undeniable that God is fully aware of our ability to forget Him, and so what we would be do, what we would do, is we'd be foolish to downplay something that He takes so seriously. He's put so many things in place to fight against this, and so what? So what should we do as people, as fallen people who are prone to forgetfulness? What should we do in response to that? What should we do as people who are prone to fall into ruts and to pull back in order to prevent or correct that? Well, don't overthink it this morning. To fight forgetting is as simple as putting reminders in your life. Number one is this. Just take advantage of the reminders that God has already given you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another on all the more as you see the day approaching. One of your greatest tools in this fight is the local church. You simply cannot thrive in your faith on your own. And when you pursue Jesus with the aid of other people, then together you stay committed. I mean, think of this, this, isn't, this isn't rocket science. Every single time you come to this building, you're going to be reminded of God and his word. Every time you come in, his word will be open. Every time there'll be songs sung that, that speak of his truth. Every Sunday school lesson, will be talking about him. Right? And so I want you this morning to consider your level of investment and then go a step further. Right? If, you're, if you're a guest today, or you're just kind of checking us out, you're here a little bit and gone a little bit, would you commit this morning that you're going you're gonna to commit to being here weekly? And then once you're at that level, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, for those of you who are at that level, you need to go further than that. Because here's the truth, even I forget my sermons. Okay, so you don't have any chance to remember them. I right, every people come up and say, man, you, a couple weeks ago, you know when you said this? And I'm like, did I? It kind of sounds like something I'd say, but I don't remember it, right? So if you're here on Sunday morning, that's awesome. But if this is all you do, then, then join a Sunday school class. Or be a part of a small group. Or come on Wednesday nights. If, 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 and if you're, every time you're here, all you're doing is being fed. Find a place to serve. You've been gifted to help the local church. Or if you're just here this morning you say, you know what? This, this has been more of a priority for me and my family in the past than it is now. Then recommit. You need the church. Or right, Without it, you, you're, you're log that's taken out of a fire. Next time you have a fire, just take one log out and set it aside. See how long that thing stays lit. That's what it's like when a Christian tries to go alone. Secondly, do, do this. Do everything you can to be present when the sacraments are offered. I think far too often we, we Protestants uh, devalue these things way too much. Right? They're not religious ceremonies. They're not required for salvation. They're not some weird introduction into national honor society where someone's going to light a candle and read a poem. Okay, But they are commands from Jesus Christ that we must observe them. And they're beautiful pictures of his work in our life. And they're to be observed, they're to be done in the context of the local church with other believers. And so when, when communion happens and you get handed the bread, you're literally ingesting a reminder of Christ's body that was broken for you. And when you take that cup, you're actually drinking a reminder of his blood that was shed for you. And get this, Jesus actually says, do this in remembrance of me. Secondly, with baptism, that is an amazing picture of his grace to us. Next time you see one, I want you to think of the person who's, when they're upright in the water, just like Jesus was upright on the cross. And then when he was buried in the tomb and raised to new life, that is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of how we die to self and are buried and, rise, and raised to walk with new life in him. And it's a reminder of those, who, those all of you who have been baptized before of the cleansing power of his blood to wash away your sins. Listen, we try, we do what we can to let you know when, when we're going to do these at FBN. Even though this is the second Sunday, most often the first Sunday of the month is when we do communion. We try to let you know in advance we're going to have baptisms. And spoiler alert, next week we're going to have baptisms. And we're excited about it. And so next week, be here. Be here at 11 a.m. to observe it, to, to celebrate that. To cheer. If we can't celebrate baptisms around here, then what are we doing? Right? To, to try and do these. We try and do these as a body in the way that honors the Lord. Unless I know that some of y'all pass on these. We got people who come to the first service and then just go home. We got people who come to the second service who can't be bothered to come 10 minutes earlier. And I'm telling you, the only one you're hurting is yourself. What a loss when you miss out on this. You need to elevate the importance of those commands of Jesus in your mind. It's not just something we do. They have immense value. Third, to help you fight forgetting is just getting God's word. Now, if you're a note taker, I know some of you are, If you're a note taker, then just do yourself a favor for the rest of the Heartbeat series. Just write, get in God's word, because we're going to get to it at some point, okay? Because when you read the word of God, God is telling you again who he is uh, over and over. When you read the word of God, it corrects your thinking. It sets your mind on the right path. It fixes your attitude and cures amnesia. You must have a daily ingesting of the word of God in your life or you'll forget. Fourthly, just try this out. Just place reminders in your life, places you're going to see them. If there's some kind of verse that's especially meaningful to you or, or some kind of a quote that's a reminder of his faithfulness, then, then display it somehow. Uh, one of the things that, that's been neat in our house recently is the girls have taken using dry erase markers on the mirrors. You know, that, that wipes right off. You can, so you can change messages all the time. How great would it be if, if you're someone who's a little full, full of yourself? Tomorrow morning when you're getting ready, just have it written up there, it's not about you. Right? How great would it be if you're, struggling, if you're facing a trial, just to have a, a verse up there about the, the, the faithfulness of the Lord who will carry you through? You just see it first thing in the morning. Put an index card on the desk at work, put it on the dash of your car. Those Hobby Lobby signs are not just for wedding gifts, you can get them for yourself, okay? We got, we got, Chris put one, a fruit of the spirits one in our kitchen, which I thought was a great idea, but now I'm kind of angry at it because it's just so convicting. That every time I'm not patient with my kids, every time I'm not gentle, I see that sign, I'm like, dang it. You know, now I gotta now i got to repent, you know, all this stuff. That's the purpose of them. was right? the purpose of the altars in the Old Testament. That every time they passed, it would take their mind back to truth that mattered. So set up reminders in your life to do the same. And then lastly, this is the discipline we want to hand to you today. Journal. And what I mean by journal is simply this. Keep a record of God's goodness to you. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record of wrongs. Well, I think the, the opposite is love. I think it's a good thing to keep record of good things. Right, of the, some of the best advice I've ever heard on marriage came from Matt Chandler. He said, uh, far too often what we are in our marriages, we are, expert in, we are experts in our spouse weaknesses. We can tell them everything they do wrong. We can tell them everything they're not good at. We can tell them all the ways they bother us. He says, we need to flip that. What we need to, to become is expert in our spouse strengths. So study them observe them, watch. Think of think all the things they do that's awesome. Think of all the things they do that betters your life. Think of all the things they do. I, can see all the, I see all you married couples chirping at each other, right? Become expert in the other strings. Now, your relationship with God is no different. You need to become an expert in all the ways that God has moved and has worked and has blessed you in the past. We're in this portion of our heartbeat series where we're looking at, what, at disciplines, right? Things that, that you need to implement into your life. Things that might take a little bit of time and might seem small in the moment, but they pay off huge over time if you're faithful to them. Things like the daily Bible reading time. Things like prayer time. Things like we challenge you to, to consider fasting. Adam spoke last week about imitating and, and, and being discipled and discipling others. Today is just journaling. And there's two things I want you to know when I say that. I'm, I'm not giving you another thing to add to your busy schedule, number one. I want I you to just add this into your already quiet time. Whatever, whatever is your, your daily Bible reading and prayer time, just, just make this a part of it. And number two, it's not a diary. I was gonna make a diary joke here. And so I tried all week to write things like people would write in a diary, but I've never had a diary. and I don't know what people write in a diary, so I never came up with a funny one. So if you have a diary... You do you, all right? That's not what we're talking about. Uh, whenever we read the Bible, here's what it means by journaling. Or even you listen to a sermon, have a notepad with you. And as you're going through your Bible reading, just write down a verse that God used to speak to you that morning or something that jumped off the page. And then from there, there's, there's a few things you can do with that space in the paper. Here's a few suggestions rewrite it in your own words. It'll make you think about the language and make you think about what the verse is actually telling you to do. Or write down what this means for your life in that moment, your particular season of life. Or write down a way that you could apply that verse that very day. And then maybe, maybe just jot out a short prayer asking God to make that, rea- or that verse a reality in your life that day. And then during prayer time, here, here's what I want to suggest to you. Make, you can do it shorthand, you don't have to write it out word for word, but make a note of the things that you're praying for, and then leave a space there. And when he does answer it, go back and fill that in. Go back and record his answer to that prayer. And and in that moment, right, you get to see. You get to actually record for yourself an evidence of his faithfulness. And this will only encourage you to pray more and more and more. 2015 was probably the craziest year for the Parks household on record. For the first, all the first half of 2015, Pierre and I spent preparing for taking our entire family to Berlin, Germany. We're going to spend a good portion of the second half of the year there as a family, serving one of FBN's missionaries. They were going to stay there for several months. And just a handful of weeks before we're going to take off on this trip, Mark Toby feels called to Dallas, and he steps away from First Baptist North, and I was asked to step into his role. Two days after that, um, one, of the, one of the craziest and most intense family crises we ever face Lands in our lap that carries on for weeks A couple of weeks, about three weeks after that I have to preach the hardest funeral message I've ever had to preach in my life Five days later, I leave on a missions trip Where I have to give eight sermons in ten days While I'm on the missions trip I get voted in as senior pastor of this church And I come home with that waiting on me And that was in about five and a half weeks time And I've luckily, I've often journaled While praying, because I just, with my focus issues, if I don't, I'm going to lose track. And so I just write out shorthand. In fact, it was Matt Buell who taught me this. As I got here, he mentioned how this was something that he'd done in his life, and I've done it ever since. And it was funny, studying for this message, I found my prayer journal from 2015 this week. And I turned right to August and September. And I was moved, just reading all the things that I, in just desperation, had laid before God. And reading how some had turned out just the way I asked for, and many others turned out the exact opposite of what I asked for. But how in each, I could look back and see evidence of God's goodness, evidence of his love. I could see his faithfulness through all of it. And it was just a really powerful moment to remember. And just worship him for his faithfulness. Let's be honest with each other, right? What we're called to live as followers of Jesus is not natural. And we're not going to have a lot of support in it. This world will not root you on. Oftentimes your family won't root you on. You know who's going to stand in your way the most? You. Your sinful nature will fight against this. There's going to be troubles come your way. There's going to be trials and tragedies come your way. There's going to be distractions that come at you at all times. And often it will feel like we are all alone. As if we're the only one who's going at this. Which is why we must remember it's not true. I will fight for you, says the Lord. You only need to be still. I was talking to someone this week who became a new believer at FBN just last year, shortly after they had to move to Indianapolis, and God had impressed on their hearts just this this need for them to forgive people in their life that they hadn't forgiven yet. So they're relatively new believers still, and so they called me and said, this is really hard. You don't know how bad these people are forgiving, but I know, I know that God is telling me to do this. And so I gave them some things to try and some things to pray for. And a few days later, just in an attempt to encourage them, I wrote, I wrote them a text. I said, you know what? I'm really proud of you for taking this so seriously. And the reply I got back was, well, if it's important to Jesus, then it's important to me. And it hit me. That's the best summation I could come up with for this heartbeat series. If it's important to Jesus, then it needs to be important to us. And it's important to Jesus that we have an ongoing connection to him. It's important, clearly important, if you read his word to Jesus, that that we remember him. There's a theme throughout all his work and all his revelation. Do not forget, we would do good to take this seriously. So that's why I want you to try, if you've never done this before, try implementing this, this journaling idea in your life. Because imagine with me just having at your fingertips a record of God's goodness to you. Imagine being aware constantly of his grace and his provision to you. Imagine knowing that his hands are on you and he's shaping you and forming you. Imagine being able to recall at all times that nothing that you face is bigger than him. And so when the trial comes and the first question is why it's too big for you to understand, you know deep down, even though you don't know why this is happening, there's no need to worry or lose faith. Because you can recall all the times he's come through for you in the past when you fall into sin, as we all do, you, you will realize there's no need to wallow in this or give in to it again and again. All I need to do is repent and take it to the one who died for me and he will forgive me again as he has in the past. When he blesses you and success comes, there will be no need for you to get big or prideful because you'll be able to recall that it's by the grace of God that you are what you are and all provision is from him. If you've got people in your life that are just hard to deal with, and we all have those people. It would be easy for you to remember what he saved you from. And if you were worth it in his eyes, so are they. You see, there's just so much unnecessary angst and worry and unneeded conflict and self-inflicted wounds that just disappear from my life when I simply remember. When I remember the Lord and I remember his faithfulness. When I remember that he alone could save me and that's what he did. When I remember the God who left heaven and came in an all-out pursuit of me. When I remember the crown of thorns that was pressed against his skull. When I remember the blows of the whip on his back and the nails that were driven to his flesh, when, when, when I remember the, all the things that he orchestrated in my life just so that I could hear his gospel. When I remember his Holy Spirit taking up residence inside of me. When I remember every single prayer that he answered, both those in the way that I had prayed and every prayer he answered in the way that I hadn't prayed but he had something better for me, even if it didn't feel like it in the moment. If I remember every single time that he has carried me, every time that he has comforted me, every time that he has pursued me, every time that he's convicted me and snapped me back to reality, every time that he's forgave me, every time that he's showered me in his grace, where his word says his mercies are waiting for us, they're new every morning. It is right, it is good, and it is necessary for us to remember the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you know exactly who we are. You know exactly what we're prone to do, exactly what we're prone to forget. And so, Lord, I just pray that around this room, you would help us to recall. God, if, if, if there's someone in this room who's never, ever entered into a relationship with you, Lord, we just pray that, that right now, in this moment we have, we built in, it's the time of reflection that, that they would do that. Lord, for the rest of us, may we just take some time to make notes of what you've done. Take some time to make a mental or actual record of of your goodness to us. Take some time to thank you and praise you for how faithful you've been. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, One of the newer things we're doing here at FBN is that we're trying to build in at the end of our service, it's time for you to just be able to respond between you and the Lord. So instead of just jumping right into the last song, we're going we're to gonna built in a couple of moments here for you uh, to just respond to God. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, then here's what I want you to do in this time. I want you to just meditate on the idea that there's a God who loved you enough to come for you and die for you. Now, if you've been checking this out, you've been been pursuing this long enough, you're ready, then why don't you just take this time this morning to pray and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to take control of your life. And for the rest of us this morning, we're going to give you a couple minutes. Spend some time making mental notes, or if you've got a notepad, actual notes of just...